We had a wonderful uh, youth camp this week, and I just want you to just talk a little bit about that. And then I've asked him to have a youth leader, and then one of our youth come up and say something. So let's go ahead and do that. So if I could add, yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> say uh, thank you to, to Brian and Melissa and uh, to the, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, for, for all of your commitment and, and for coming this week and helping our youth. Uh, thank you for Andre and Maya Eccles for, uh, they, they ministered at the youth conference. Thank you for doing so. You can give them a good hand. We appreciate it. Amen. Uh, we thank Pastor Ike Akabogu. He was there, and we, we hear that was a wonderful service. Absolutely. Amen. They're not here today because he's ministering, I believe, in Kansas City. Elk oh, Elk River. Sorry, Minnesota with, Pastor, with uh, Dr. W uh, Bill Matthews. Yes. So anyway, I, I want to call him Dr. William because my brother's mm -hmm. name is Bill, which is William. Anyway, moving right on. I, mean, I know it's strange, right? But anyway, so thank you, Brian, for all that you guys did and, and all the youth leaders. And just thank you for the deposits that you put in the impartations. And just through your help, whether it was picking up a piece of trash, whether it was playing a piano, whether it was singing, whether it was ministering the word, that will go to your account, and, and we thank you for that. Amen? Praise God. To God be the glory. She said I couldn't preach, but maybe I could sing. <laughs> Mom, thank you to you and Pastor for allowing us to do a youth camp. Because um, Pastor Jay has talked about it, that he, his call to ministry was affected through a youth camp. Pastor Debbie, her call to ministry was affected through youth ministry. There, you know, they did a study in a major denomination, uh, Pentecostal denomination, and they found that 80% of the ministers in that denomination received their call to ministry at a youth camp. Just stop and think about that. That's one of the largest Pentecostal denominations in the United States, and 80% of their ministers got a call to ministry. That's when they discovered God was telling them to go to the work was at a youth camp. This, it's not a side issue. It's not a small deal. It's not a side project of the church. It's very much forefront in our pastor's hearts. So thank you. Uh, mom and dad for putting that on. It's an honor. It's a joy. It's, it's uh, one of the greatest, one of the greatest privileges of our life is to participate in the youth ministry in your vineyard. So um, I would like to call up uh, Sarah Merrick. She's our youth, one of our youth helpers this year. And I'd also like to call up John Magnuson. Um, the Magnusons, as many of you know, are from Spirit of Faith, Kansas City. And they came to youth camp this year. Great blessing. So um, we had a powerful, powerful time um, from, it, it's, it gets better and better every year. Andre and I were talking about it, that the first youth camp we did together was 2013. And the math on that is exciting yet depressing because we've been doing this a decade. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but um, every year, the, the churches that come, because it's not just our church, other churches come, every year um, it seems like there's more unity. Every year it seems like there's a greater uh, revelation of the word. Every year it seems like there is a greater move of the spirit. And it's not always spectacular, but it is always supernatural. And um, one thing that I want to say before I ask these guys to give their testimony is, church family, thank you for holding the ropes. 
because we couldn't go and do a youth camp. You know, it, you, it comes from people who have a heart to pray, people who have a heart to um, get their car washed <laughs> three times. <laughs> you didn't need it, but you came through again anyway. You know, it, it comes from people who have a heart to buy the popcorn or get the candle or just, you know what, I don't need a candle, but let me just sow into your life. See, that it, it, without a church family to support the, the, what is happening, what God's doing with these teenagers, it wouldn't happen. So you have precious seed, not just, not just in um, God's work in general. I want you to know you have precious seed in the lives of every one of these young people. So, John, why don't you go first? So, um, my testimony begins uh, on the second night when uh, Brother Andre, he was talking about God's love. Um, and that just really spoke to me. Um, and it just, I was just really blown away by it. And the next morning, uh, Reverend Brian was talking about how we should expect uh, a move of God that night, um, and we should just confess and just keep talking about the move of God. And so I just kept saying, I'm going to have a move of God, I'm going to have a move of God, and I was just kept speaking that, speaking that. And um, that night, when, when Reverend Brian laid hands on me, I didn't really feel anything. I didn't feel anything at all. Um, uh, Five minutes went by, nothing. Ten minutes, ten minutes went by, nothing. Uh, Fifteen minutes went by, I was like, nothing. But I kept praising, and I kept confessing, and I kept, uh, I just kept praising the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, just like this, snap of a finger, um, I just felt a weight on, on me. Um, but it was kind of a weird weight because, like, it wasn't, it wasn't a weight, like, like this. It was a weight, like, in here. Like, it was, like, in here. And uh, my heart was just, it was... It, anyway. Um, and so... It went on for th about three seconds, and it just lifted, and I was like, what was that? Like, <laughs> um, so I sat down, I got my journal, I just started writing and writing, and the, the Lord just started telling me what, what it was, and, and this is what I wrote down. This is what I wrote down. This, this love I felt. Because I felt like it, he was telling me it was it was the love of God and like he, the thing that Brother Andre was talking about. So um, I said, this love I felt was so ignorant to any evil, so ignorant to actions of sin done in the past, present, or future. The love was stubborn and wouldn't pay attention to the many factual condemnations, wouldn't pay attention to all the accusations. I felt the love so thick. I could reach out and cut it with a knife. The love was heavy, really heavy. The love burned with a jealousy, a jealousy I could never fathom. The love could never be measured, because I never saw an end to this love. And, in, and then my face, the aftermath of this, 
my face was burning up. It was, it was heated. And my shoulders, my shoulders started aching. It was burning. And like, and I just felt it so strongly. And I just want to say that same love that I experienced is the same love he has for you, for you, for you, and for you. Because it's the same love that he has for all of us. And Reverend Brian was saying all camp long that God is no respecter of persons. And his love is for all of us. So think about that. Praise God. That's just one testimony. And see, something like that, you might not, on, on the natural, you might not think too much of it. But see, that penetrated all the way to the spirit. And the fruit of that is going to continue to come out year after year after year. That's not a, God never does something like that and it return void. Sarah? Praise God. Well, I've, of course, first just wanted to say thank you to our pastors for allowing us to be able to go and do this and do it all the time. And um, it really is such a blessing to me. And I think all the chaperones would say the same. Like, we get so much out of it, too, just like the youth. So um, I would just want to say thank you for letting me go. Um, camp this year was, of course, a lot of fun. Um, watch, being able to just, like, sit back and watch the youth hit each other with pool noodles. Um, and then we had to, of course, you know, we, they did this game where you know they ate Oreos with all these condiments they're drenched in condiments and it was gross and I know that because I had to eat one and it was an Oreo covered in ranch so it was not good um, no no but they made me do it and I did it um, but our first service we had Pastor Ike come and he was talking about just the power of confession um, he was talking about no matter how you feel or the opposition that Satan brings when you start confessing to just not give up so that's kind of how we started the first night um, and then the second night we obviously had Brother Andre come and just talked about maintaining your love for God and um, God's love for you which obviously had a big effect and then Reverend Brian talked a lot about just making God's truth your truth and just having your full trust in him and that will help your faith grow um, which all of those things were so important and they helped I think all the youth receive too because um, like you know he was saying on Friday morning Rev in the service was talking about just to come expecting to service at that night and to come and just to say over and over that I'm gonna have an encounter with God um, and all day all of them were even like at rock climbing, one of the girls was telling one of the other chaperones, she was like, I was up at the top, and I was like, I'm going to have an encounter with God. Um, and even the youth would come up to me before they went into the dorm. They're like, Sarah, I'm going to have an encounter with God. So it was all day. Um, and, and it kind of has to do with the services we had because they were confessing it over and over and over. They were just confessing, I'm going to have an encounter. And then it helped because, you know, they had that foundation of God's love for them and trusting that their father was going to do what he had said that night, that they were going to have an encounter. Um, so that Friday night service, they had an encounter with God. Um, they all came and they all just got different things, even because I was playing piano, so it's kind of like just 
you know, seeing how things were and looking around and all of them, you know, they were like crying and they're on their knees and every single one of them, God was dealing with them with different things. Some of them, I mean, all of them had a testimony. Even in the dorms room after that service, all the girls were huddled up on like two bunk beds and all the girls were talking just about all the things that God did for them. Um, so all of them have one, so you should talk to them. But um, some of them had visions. Some of them just had obviously a revelation of God's love for them and um, just God met them in all the different stages that they were at. Um, and then even for me, like as a chaperone going, I mean, it really did bless me that Friday night. I was just like playing the piano and um, Ezra and Brian was just ministering to people and I kind of looked down at my hands as I was playing. And it was almost kind of like I saw like Jesus's fingers, like his hands over my hands. And it was like, like my hands were in his hands. <laughs> um, which for me, like that helped me because it was like, he was guiding me. He was guiding my hands. And it helped reaffirm my trust that I have in him. That, you know, he has me in his hands. So I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> but um, so even for me as a chaperone going, I got so much. So thank you. Thank you, team and Reverend Brian and the parents and the youth. Praise God. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. So we found out... A we found out a lot of things at camp. We found out that Anna is super athletic and really scary with a pool noodle. We found out that Dane can run multiple things at once and is actually an amazing manager, even though he did forget the gym key. So, but everything else went super smooth. We found out Alexis can handle the meds like a pro. Like she does really detailed paperwork. And we found out Sarah can preach. It was weird. Pastor, thank you so much for youth camp. at this, but I'm getting better. We have a group photo too. So you can actually see how happy they were. And that was um, Dr. Bill Matthews, Solid Rock Church from Elk River. Um, Dr. Or, uh, yeah, Dr. Jeff Miller from um, Aurora, Illinois, Abundant Life Family Church, and our very own Pastor Jay and Pastor Debbie, Spirit of Faith Family Church, Cedar Rapids, and Kansas City. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the encounters. We thank you, Lord, that we are made brand new. We are not the same any longer, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Just pull me out. I'm no longer bound. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that his goodness is for you all the time. Oh, taste and see that he will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed then, he'll heal now. If he delivered then, he'll deliver now. If you need strength, he'll give you strength. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a faithful Father. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy that they're new every single day. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It's over. But your goodness is new today. Oh, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have filled me with your fire. In darkest nights, you are close like no other. I know you as a father. I know you as my Lord. And I have lived the goodness of God. All my life, all my life you have been faithful. You're so faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness is running after is running after me your goodness is running after is running after me with my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after is running after me your goodness your goodness is running after It's running out. 
been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, one more time, say all my life All my life you have been All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I will sing, I will sing of the goodness of God Of the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so. I said, all my life, you have been faithful. in this room today, whether it's sickness or, or, or whatever, and I want you to come up here right now, and as we sing this, that anointing will minister. To, I, I, I mean, if you're just dealing with some type of a symptom where you, you're feeling something, I don't care if it's the flu or the fever, I'm, that doesn't scare me, anything that you're dealing with. because his goodness is here to minister to you today. And as we sing that your goodness is running after me, I'm just gonna lay hands on you and that anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Just let that set in his goodness. 
for the anointing of God that ministered. Thank you, Lord. Cindy, it's changing. It's changing. It's changing. He's working in you, both to willing to do it. His good pleasure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Thank you for the anointing that breaks, and I call that fever, I command that fever to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
our hands and thank God that the anointing is working in this room today. And it changes in Jesus' name. And that's, don't let anything else out of your mouth today. Thank you, Lord. You've healed me. You've made me whole. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of your mind. If you need to go home and get some rest, just do that. But don't let anything else come out of your mouth other than I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm full of the life of God. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. No matter what the devil says, it doesn't matter. Don't listen to him anyway. Hallelujah. You're healed and whole. You're healed and whole. You're healed and whole. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Lift your hands one more time as we get ready to get into the Word. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And we just say, ha, 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 ha. At anything that the enemy has tried to do and bring, we just say that we're free. I said we're free. Hallelujah. Well, tell your neighbor, his goodness is running after me. It's running after you. Amen. But notice we have to stop and accept it. Amen. He's running after us, but we got to stop running. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Amen. That was Jonathan Magnuson. Is that Jonathan, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for, for uh, sharing that because uh, we had a move of God just now because of you just sharing what was in your heart. Praise the Lord. I told y'all not to preach, but you know. <laughs> when it gets in you, it gets in you. We, we so appreciate the testimonies. And, and I tell you, the confession of our mouth, you remember the woman with the issue of blood, she said, for she said, because she had heard what would happen if she went and Jesus ministered to her. And she said, if I but just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. She knew what the anointing would do because she had heard about the anointing. And Pastor Ike, obviously, I don't even know what he preached, but from what was being said, uh, started that out with a confession of your mouth. And then, and just confessing, I'm going to have a move of God. And how can you have a move of God without his love being poured out? Amen? It's not mechanical. God's love and his compassion is there to just mess with you. <laughs> Amen. Just, and I liked his wording. I, 
you got to write a book or something. Okay, <laughs> praise the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, uh, Sarah, for sharing. Uh, that touched me when, when you said Jesus. Your hands are in his hands playing the piano. Because when I play, play or, or sing or minister, I want to be a vessel that he works through. And it's not a matter of just getting up and jumping up and down and you know, entertaining people. It's a matter of being, uh, letting Jesus minister through us. Amen? Amen. It's a matter of, uh, like I said, it's not an entertainment thing. If we're jumping up and down because we're excited about the Lord, that's one thing. But it's, we're not trying to be like the world. And I'm not, you know, just putting people down. It's, it's just that worship is something that very few people in the body of Christ really comprehend of how it's in spirit and in truth. And it comes out of your spirit. It's not an outward thing that brings inward. It's an inward that brings the outward expression. Amen. So we look at it that way. I want to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, actually verse 7, and it says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Notice the life of God was breathed into Adam, and that was the creation. The creation was not that he formed him out of the dust because the dirt had already been formed. So that was not a new creation. The new creation is when that life was breathed into him. I got that from Brother Charles Capps. So good. The, the new creation is when Christ comes and changes the old and makes it new inside. And really the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, came. The first Adam was the son of God. And he lost the life of God. Why? Because he sinned and spiritual death set in. And that spiritual death would eventually affect him physically as well. And he would die younger because he was supposed to live for an eternity on this earth. But he lost the very life of God. He had a remnant to stay alive, but eventually he was going to die because life's out. You understand? The, the life of God was so strong... That it kept him alive for how many years? Was it 900 something? I'm, yeah, that's how strong the life of God was. And he no longer had fellowship in his spirit, although he had a spirit, but that spirit was dead to God. But God still had, he had to talk to him just one on one, uh, in, and he only saw him in his physical sense, in the natural form. He, he wasn't able to fellowship with God in his spirit. And we are able to fellowship with God in our spirit. So we've been taken back to the original yeah. yes. what Adam had, yes. what he lost. And we know through Christ that we are cleansed by his blood. And if we receive him, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, then we become new creatures in Christ, new creations in Christ. Amen? Amen? So that verse says a lot. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life. Now that tree of life was in the center of the garden, because man was supposed to eat of that tree and live forever. 
So I'm not sure where that, uh, and then we'll, we'll go on. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, God had told them, don't eat of that tree. In other words, don't get distracted from the plan. Eat of the tree of life. But they didn't. They got distracted. And they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had to run them out of the garden so that they wouldn't eat of that tree of life. Because if they lived forever, then they would live forever in their sin. You understand that? We don't really have time to go all through that, but that's just kind of a a synopsis. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So this is really what I'll be talking about somewhat, and then we're going to change a little bit. But he, he put the man and the woman really into the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. But notice it did start with the man. And there was a reason for that. Now, to tend, uh, well, we're we're just going to give you the definition of what keep it means. To hedge about, to guard, to protect, to attend to, to take heed, to keep. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you will eat it you shall surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. That was his job, to do the calling. And Eve was to help him with that job. You see, he was formed in the image of God, and God called those things that be not as though they were. And that was Adam's job, to call things in the garden did you know that in the, orig- the original intent in the garden, calling was how he really kept his garden. Speaking faith is how he kept his garden. It was in God's image. Remember, Abraham was an example. He was the father of our faith, the father of many nations. And God had to change his name so that he would say what God was saying about him. I am a father of many nations because Abram just meant I'm a father, but Abraham meant I'm a father of many nations. He was to be an example of what, see, he was made in the image of God. He didn't have the life of God because he was an offspring of Adam, you understand? And Adam had lost the the life and, and Christ hadn't come yet, but he was still a father to all of us as an example of calling. That was God's intent. For Adam to keep, tend, take care of the garden, eat, grow the fruit through his words of faith. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So we read in the Dake Study Bible, man's duty, Dake Study Bible, man's duty was to cultivate and keep or to preserve the garden from all intruders. Keep is from the Hebrew similar to hedge about, guard, protect. This is the first hint of an enemy of God and man. Adam failed to keep the garden. So sin entered and Satan became the pseudo ruler of the restored earth. You didn't know that there was another earth. Oh, we're not going to get into that. Praise the Lord. Uh, Dake also said here, 
there were five commands before the fall. Five commands. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish. Did you know you're supposed to be fruitful? It is not an option. Multiply, replenish. Exercise dominion and do not give it to another. That's the fourth one. Exercise dominion over your garden, over your home. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we're going to get on that. Exercise dominion. Do not give it to another. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The last two were broken. Only the last was a source of temptation, challenging man's will and arousing his curiosity. You see, he got distracted from the tree of life and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was enticed. The woman was enticed because Adam didn't take his place in teaching the woman not to give in to sin. And he didn't run the devil out of his garden. And what happened? He eventually ate of the very thing that he probably despised. How many times if we do not tend and keep our atmosphere, our home, we may say, well, so-and-so is yielding to sin, you know, but it doesn't bother me. If you're hanging around them, eventually it's going to get to you. No, my children are living in sin and this and that, but, you know, they're living in my home and it's all good and fine. No. Their actions and what they're doing will eventually get to you because it's a biblical principle. What you allow in your atmosphere, in your garden, in your home will eventually come back and roost. And eventually you will also be distracted. But pastor... They just won't listen to me. That's because that's what you're saying. You have to enforce. I said, you have to enforce it. You have to tend your garden. You have to take care of it. And whoever the spiritual leader is, if your husband isn't living right, you're the spiritual leader, woman. (laughs) If If the woman's not living right, husband, you actually are supposed to be the spiritual leader. And I understand that we have all different scenarios, and this really isn't my message today, but we're going to get this in here because it was on my heart. Uh, we have all different scenarios of, of uh, the, the two people that are married, and one gets saved, and the other's not saved, and the children are 14, 15 years old, and things have set in. It's a little different scenario. I understand that. You have to get it for yourself. You've got, you know, if, if you're a wife, and your husband's not saved, and, and he's saying, well, the kids don't have to go to church. You're just going to have to grow up spiritually yourself, have a prayer life, fellowship with God, use your faith for your children, pray for your husband, take authority over the darkness over his eyes and use your faith. But eventually when God starts telling you, you got to address this, you're going to have to address this, you're going to have to address this, then you need to follow him. But then it's a whole different situation where you got two people where they are Christians and they're coming to church together and... They're not tending to their home. They're not telling their children, you need to come to church. They're asking them if they want to come. No, I don't want to come. It doesn't matter what age they are. If they're in your home, they need to be in church. I don't really care if you like that or not. Because I'm just the messenger. 
And God came on me in a strong way and he's actually been dealing with me for the last several weeks. Some of these things have got, you know, have got to change in the home because it's coming back to roost. And you're, you're not understanding how the enemy is getting into your business. You're not understanding how the enemy is getting into your home because of the people you hire, because of the people that you're you know, allowing in your home because of not enforcing things with your children. Well, that's all I'm gonna say about that. But I will say this, that it is a biblical mandate for us to be like Adam and Eve. What God told them, I'm not talking about following in sin. God told them, tend the garden. Keep the garden, protect it. Don't let intruders in. And if we will do that, we have been restored back to the original state. We are children of God. Therefore, it's not an option any longer for us to allow people to rule the home, to rule the roost, to have the last say in our businesses and so on and so forth. There are certain things I understand because of the laws of today that if, if you're divorced and you've got a, a wife that's not living with God and she's over there and the, the, the children has to go spend the weekend with them, you're gonna have to use your faith. But you tell that child when they get back, you're not watching those wrong things. And if you did, there's consequences. You see, you can't just stop using uh, you can't just stop tending. There, there's consequences if they yield to the wrong things. Even if they're in another place. There's consequences. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That was all free. So we're supposed to tend the garden. It is our help, isn't it? Amen. Psalms 119, 133 says... Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Direction is right ordering. Yes. And remember, Pastor Ike was talking about uh, the right order. And one of the statements he made is disorder is a seed of hopelessness. If you ever find yourself being hopeless, something is out of order. And there's some things I want to talk about today that we've allowed to get into the church. And, and we'll see the example, and it started with Adam and Eve, our fathers, our father and mother. Started with them. And we've allowed not just uh, disorder, but we've allowed hopelessness in, which is the opposite of faith, because hope is an expectancy. It's, a, it's, it's an expectancy that we can follow God's will, we can follow God's plan, we uh, can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's an expectancy that when we use our faith, it will work for us. But we've gotten to a place where Really, they say hopelessness, and really this is a natural term, but let, let's listen to this. Hopelessness is an emotion characterized by lack of hope, optimism, and passion. An individual who feels hopeless may often have no expectation of future improvement or success. And then another thing is shame. And we're going to read that here in a little bit. Actually, let's go over to verse 25, and we're talking about Adam and Eve. You see, they are uh, really 
the example of how they started out as sons of God is what we are to follow. The example that they were made in God's image shows that we are made in God's image. And when Christ died for us, that life came back and restored us into fellowship with our Father God. And that image came alive in us. It had died. So in verse 25, uh, 225 Genesis, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They weren't ashamed. Notice that another, remember Pastor Ike said disorder is the seed of hopelessness? Well, I say disorder is also the seed of shame. And we see that. Now, in chapter 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning, more, more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let's go on down and let's read verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she was distracted. She was looking too much at that tree. And the desire enticed her and she sinned. And that's what sin does. Satan sets it before us, especially when we don't tend our garden and and keep the things out that will tempt us, especially when we have things on our iPad and on our TVs. And I I remember years ago that I had bought some Westerns. I like Westerns, right? And, And there was one particular Western in there that I realized was an R, and I didn't realize that. And when I saw it, I was, I was like, oh, but I really like that actor. I really, I really want to watch that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But God dealt with me, get rid of anything in the home that's compromising. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I watched it or not. I don't think I did. I don't, I don't know. But I had it in my home, and it was tempting me. You know, it's like one of my favorite Western, uh, what's his name? Tom Selleck. Or, no, not Tom Selleck. Uh, somebody else. Anyway. Um, and, and, I, and I, I liked watching westerns, right? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to watch an R western. I didn't want. I just wanted to watch a good one. Yes, And it can entice you. And God dealt with me. Get rid of anything in the home that's that's not right. And I went through and I threw that out. And then anything else is just iffy because I mean, it doesn't matter if it's PG or whatever. If it's, if it's got scenes in it that are not edifying, well, we shouldn't allow them. And then they entice us and they trigger things and, and, and sin is revived in our life. See, we have to tend our garden. We've got to put the things out. We've got to put the intruders out of our garden. Just some good old-fashioned teaching on we got to just tend our garden and push sin out of our lives. Every day coming to God, your mercies are new every morning. And you may say, Pastor, it's it's too far. I've been yielding to this for years in one particular area or another. No. That's because you're saying that. You see, we were made in God's image. And if you will say, God is working in me both to will and to do. 
God is working in me both to will and to do. And here's another concept. Get up in the morning and just repent. Just where, where, if you know that you've missed it, just repent. Don't look under bushes. Don't look under everything. Where have I missed it at? No. If you know you've missed it, just repent. If you haven't, just move on with your fellowship. Don't make something up. Just repent. And my friend, if shame is standing at your door, you tell it to get out of here. You tell it, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I, I, I've been made in the image of God. He breathed life into Adam, and that's been restored back to me. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I missed it, if I, if I watched some stupid movie or if I was scrolling, Everybody's done that. Look at their iPad and then just got distracted. Whatever way, I don't know. Just distractions in general may not be sin, but if you just do that to a point, it can lead to that. You can get spiritually dull and just get to a point to where, oh, I don't care anymore. And it can lead to sin. It can lead to addictions. It can lead to things that you don't want to go there. Adam didn't know that he was going to lose life. And he was going to have to toil the rest of his life. He didn't realize that because he didn't keep his house in order, that his wife gave him that fruit and he would be too weak spiritually to say no. Because somehow he wasn't keeping his mind on the tree of life, on his fellowship with God. He wasn't tending, keeping in order what was in his home and and keeping it pure, so to speak. So we we have to do inventory, all of us have to do that. And we have to make sure that what are we listening to? What are we looking at? What are we allowing? Just getting up in the morning. There have been times where I just kicked myself. It's like, goodness, all you had to do is get up and do this. Praying in in the car, praying in the spirit, in the shower, whatever it takes. Just put on a CD that will turn your heart to spiritual things. Amen. Amen whatever it takes, and just break the cycle of distraction. Break the cycle of, uh, you're, you're looking at that tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you're getting closer and closer, but break the cycle, put yourself over here, and just sit down on the tree of life. And eat the fruit. Eat it. Enjoy it. What if Adam... And Eve, I'm just supposing here, ate of the tree of life, and he said, I command that tree of the knowledge of good and evil to get to go. I can't eat of it. Get out of my garden. Wow. He certainly should have done that to the devil. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's not okay to just talk like the world. 
See, it blessed me when our youth are saying, we're going to have an encounter with God. We're going to have a move of God. And they're saying it all the day long because it's been preached. It's been taught. The seeds has went, have went into their spirit and they understand the biblical principle of our words. And we were made in the image of God. And let's go to Genesis chapter one. Okay. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep because there had been an earth and now there was another. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, remember, Adam called all the animals. That was his job. And he was supposed to tend and keep the garden. And I beg to, to say that he did that through words of faith. He kept the garden. He ate of the right fruit. Just don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't get distracted. If you get distracted and you go over and you eat that, it's because you have not properly kept your garden. You got spiritually weak. And there are times when we're going to have to get up. We're going to have to shake ourselves off. But there's still things that are out of order. And there's one thing of understanding you're righteous in Jesus' name and being forgiven, but there's another of taking inventory. In our church, we have to take inventory. Some people don't like correction. But in your home, your children don't always like correction. But you're going to have to take inventory. It's not a matter of just you living righteous. Their actions will affect you. And what we allow in our church, what we allow, that's why we can't just allow homosexuals to come. Okay, just strike that off YouTube, whatever. And we, we can't allow people to sit here and we just teach them it's okay. Because if we do that, then we're eating of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're allowing compromise rather than eating of the tree of life. We teach people and we train them. If they don't want to live like that, there's another church down the street that probably believes that way. Feel free to go down there because we're not going, we'll address things. We'll let people have time to, but we're not going to allow that spirit around you. Aren't you glad about that? We've had it before. We've, we've had pedophiles in this church. We've had different ones in this church. Yes, we have. We gave them a space of time and we watched them very closely. Some of them made changes, others didn't. And we told them there's another place for you. It's not here. Amen. So what is the opposite of faith? Doubt. And it's the opposite of hope. Faith is the substance 
of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a confident expectation that God has wonderful things for me. Shame. What's the opposite of shame? A boldness, a confidence. But shame is an, uh, this is, I just looked at the Wikipedia. I thought that would be good. Shame is an unpleasant self-conscious emotion often associated with negative self-evaluation, motivation to quit, and feelings of pain, exposure, distrust, powerlessness, and worthlessness. Shame is a discrete basic emotion described as a moral or social emotion that drives people to hide or deny their wrongdoings. To hide or deny their wrongdoings. Well, let's go back there. Remember, Adam and Eve weren't ashamed. And then in verse 7 of chapter 3, then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What did it say? Shame drives people to hide or deny their wrongdoings. They were trying to hide the fact that they ate of the tree God told them not to, and it was sin, and they were covered up. They started seeing things in the light of sin consciousness. They didn't see in the light of sin consciousness before that because they had never sinned before. They didn't know what sin consciousness was. Do you understand that? Never said it that way. That's pretty good, huh? They saw things in the light of sin and shame came in. Now let's go to 3 John, actually 1 John. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3 and we've read this scripture but it bears repeating and we have new uh, people that come and we have younger Christians and they need to hear these things and we need to hear them over and over again. But let's go to 1 John chapter 3 and then also verse 16. 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And that word assure is a faith word. And it's a confident expectation, a faith that we can do all things through Christ. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So condemnation gets in through sin or just through being distracted, looking at the wrong things and allowing a hopelessness, a sin consciousness, a shame and even an unworthy attitude to get in. Adam didn't have to jump over hoops. All he had to do was not eat of that tree. That's it. If he wasn't fruitful, if he didn't multiply, if he didn't do those other things, he wasn't going to get the consequence. It wasn't right. You understand? But the one thing that God said, 
that warned him about and told him not to do that would cause sin was to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are good things that we can miss out in our life, but that, eh. But the biggest thing that we miss out is when we yield to sin and then we allow shame to set in. Because that is what the devil used from the beginning of time. So we're going to have to be careful. And the only thing that can combat that is to get up every morning, turn our heart to God, and say, Lord, if I've missed it anywhere, show me, and I just I give it all to you. I know I've missed it in certain areas, Lord, but I give that to you. By faith, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you get your mouth going. And you pull it out of your heart. It is in there. You've been hearing the word. You've been sitting here. You've been, all of you, you know, just if you just know a little scripture, just start saying what you know. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things. Just say it throughout your day. And I'm not condoning sin, but if you yield to something that you know is sin, just get it right immediately. But like I said, every day, turn your heart to God and kick shame out, kick unworthiness out, kick condemnation out. Condemnation is nothing more than a damnatory sentence that you aren't going to make it. Well, who do you think that's from? Because the Holy Ghost convicts you. He does not condemn you. In this last year, I've had a few youth that their lives were changed. I have one youth uh, some months ago, it, it was a meeting in Merced, and he actually gave me, he, I didn't meet him personally, uh, but he gave me a knife and said, this is the only thing I, I knew to give you. Thank you for teaching on I'm righteous. I've been living under so much condemnation. And it was interesting, they gave me a knife. I don't know what he wanted to do with that knife, but he gave it away, thank God. I had another young person in Bible school, I believe back in March, who gave an offering. It was a sizable offering. And they said, I've lived under condemnation. I haven't been able to make changes, but you're teaching on righteousness. And that just get up and dust yourself off and do it and just, just go. Change my life. And that was somebody that came to Bible school. So the enemy will use condemnation. He will try to get you in a hopelessness that you can never attain to God's best. You will never be able to really follow the plan of God. I've missed it so much. Okay, pastor corrected me. I'm never going to make it in this church. Oh, really? Who are we to stand in the way of God anyway? If Pastor Jake and I correct you for something, it's because we love you. And it's, it's, it's not like I go around being everybody's big kahuna and trying to correct you. But I tell you what, if I need to, I will. Because it's going to help you, just like your mom and dad. And, and if we're not going to correct children, if we're not going to tell them, if you're living in this home, you're going to follow these rules, and then we don't enforce it, we empower them to fail, and we will answer for that. Now, when you go, you're saying amen right now, but you go home and then you allow that light to go out because you don't do anything about it. So go ahead, say amen. But I'm asking you to go home and say amen. 
Well, I, they're not going to like me. Who cares? It's about you being right with God and doing the right thing, using your faith, walking in love, but being bold. What do you think would have happened if Adam, he, he told Eve, you better not eat that, that tree, girl. You eat of that tree and you get cast out of the garden later. I'm moving on. I'll find Sarah. I'll find Nancy. Nancy, I'll find, you know, forget you. You want to go, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not talking about Sarah Merrick. I'm just, yeah, I'm just. No, he's going to find somebody else because if she's cast out of the garden, what's he going to do next? Are you telling me I'm supposed to divorce my husband and my wife? No, I'm not. But if they leave you, next. If they don't want to follow the plan of God, well, moving right along. We have to have some boundaries. My children don't want to help with the housework. I got to come home and do that. I have no sympathy for you. I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. You kick them in the seat of the pants and you tell them, get the mop out, get the broom out, get the trash can and do it. And if you don't, there's consequences. And it's not sitting in your bedroom with your Game Boy. Dr. Dufresne used to say it's like beating a dead horse. It's like beating a dead horse. Don't be like a dead horse. Do you know what that sounds like? Let me show you. That's what a dead horse sounds like. So, don't come to me crying. They don't listen to me. You know, we've had parents that drug their kids to church, and they, you know, they came with one shoe, and they hobbled into church. And I said, I have a lot of respect for you. A lot of respect. Yeah, but they finally, they, they wouldn't do it if they're 18 right now. My Bible doesn't give me an age limit. As long as they're in my home. They are affecting my garden. They are affecting my garden. They, they are affecting my blessing. They are affecting me. All right. Praise the Lord. So, moving right along. Let's, let's see if I have something else, another message. And here is something... Okay, God's going to come and give you $10,000 tomorrow <laughs> because he loves you, period. <laughs> yeah, that's what people want. They want period. They don't want all the other stuff. Like, yeah, I didn't sign up for all this. I, I didn't write the Bible. 
you know what? I've signed up for it and I'm happy about it. So let's get happy. Amen. Just tell your neighbor, let's get happy. All right, let's turn to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. You know, sometimes I, I was shaking my head last night. I'm like, Lord, it, it seems like there's some correction going to go on in this message tomorrow. It, isn't there just something like, you know, can I just talk about love the whole service? I just, exactly. I am talking about love. Because we can empower you to fail. Now, I'm not kicking anybody out of their seat in the church. You understand? It's like, you're not doing right. Get out of here. I'm not doing that. I love you. Okay? But I'm endeavoring to empower you not to fail by telling you the truth and giving you the guidelines of what God's word says. Because yes, you are righteous in Christ. But there's a sanctification, there's a purification. That righteousness is on the inside, but when it comes out of you, it's called sanctification. And there are righteous acts. Matthew 6, we know this. What does that say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, yes, your righteousness, but you seek to let that righteousness come out through words of faith because you're made in God's image, so you talk like he talks, and you act like he acts. And if you don't, you just get up and you dust yourself off and say, Father, I missed it. Not trying to look under every bush and look, have a sin consciousness of I've missed it all the time. I'm just saying, Father, I missed it. So I get up, yes. I, 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 and get back in the game. Yes. Come to church every time. Yes. Have a fellowship with the Lord, yes. starting out in the first of your day. Yes. Amen. Amen. Turn your heart to him. Let the words that come out of your mouth be words of faith. Don't talk about it's flu season. Don't talk about, I understand. I, I've, I've, you know, said in the home, some, well, I'm dealing with some symptoms. So, hey, I, I took this. But my mom knows, my husband knows. I always say God's power is working in me. God's power is working in me. And sometimes I go take an aspirin. Sometimes I, you know, I go and I take extra uh, smoothie and supplements and diff- different than my MMS. If you want to know what that is, look it up. Amen. And I do what I know in the natural, but I'm constantly calling my body healed. And sometimes God puts it in my heart. You haven't got enough rest. That's something I, I praise the Lord. I'm an overcomer. <laughs> and uh, because before, not now, before I didn't like to sleep. I just like to stay up. I won't miss anything. You understand? Uh, like Pastor Nancy, sometimes you're sitting there. You don't want to go to bed. You're sitting there. What should I do next? You're too tired to pray, too tired to do anything. You're just sitting there like a zombie just because you like to stay up. <laughs> and I just got stirred up. Turn my heart to God and say, I'm sorry. I, I should have got more rest. I'm getting up. 
I'm doing better today. Doing the right thing today. Because I'm righteous. And your grace and your help is in me. So we empower you to fail. If we tell you, you can just continue to, to sit there in your sin. God had to tell Adam and Eve, you, you can't stay in this garden anymore. Why? Because they needed an atoning sacrifice. We have an atoning sacrifice. Jesus Christ died for us. We might have life and have it more abundantly, but that life will just sit there inside and it will get inhibited by all the other junk if you don't speak faith, get in God's word, speak his word, speak faith, act on it. Do what you know to do. Like I said, I've said it, and, and it will, it, it, it'll just, I hope it just rings throughout your day. Listen to CDs that are spiritually edifying. Get books out. Do what you know to do. Pray in the spirit in the shower when you're getting ready, when you're, just build yourself up. But, Pastor Debbie, if I, I, I'm unworthy... So I don't pray in the spirit. I don't read the Bible like I used to. You're righteous. You're righteous. Matthew 8, you just have to act on it. Turn your heart to God. Accept his mercy and move on. Matthew 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum... A centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at the home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion asked and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He said that rightfully so. He wasn't worthy. He did not have a covenant. But let's, let's go on. Let's not just stop there. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled yeah. and said, I'm sure it, Jesus, what, this man doesn't even have a covenant. Yeah. And yet he understands authority. Yeah. And he's trusting that his servant will be healed. Yeah. My people with a covenant aren't even trusting that and, and he said I have not found such great faith not even in Israel notice that man didn't have to jump through hoops do this do that the other he just simply trusted yes. he just simply trusted yes. okay brother Caps uh, said in his book your spiritual authority wonderful book he said I asked the Lord he, he basically said this highest form of faith right in Matthew 8, 5 here, this is the highest form of faith that we see. And I asked the Lord, why did the centurion have that kind of faith, even though he was not included in the covenant? The Lord said he was a military man who understood authority because he was under authority. If you will teach my people to understand authority, as this man understood authority, they will operate in the same kind of faith. When you understand authority... As the Bible sets it forth. Now this is what I wrote down. When you understand authority as the Bible sets it forth, you will rise to a new level of faith. Yes. Yes. 
you will rise to an understanding of God's word that will set you free from the circumstances of life. You can use your God-given authority by speaking his word against the circumstances of life. They will, conf they, will confirm to, uh, they will conform to God's word. The knowledge of this truth will set you free. He said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Basically, the centurion was saying, Lord, I'm not worthy, but your worthiness is enough. He understood something. I'm not worthy, but you are. Many of us are there right now, but we're not going any further. Because not only do we have a covenant, but we are worthy too. So do we understand, do we comprehend why things may not be working in our life? Because not only are we saying we're not worthy, but we're not allowing God to be the worthy one in our lives and through us. Many Christians are at a place of feeling not worthy because of their sin or past practice of sin. But if we can get to the place, a mentality that I am worthy no matter what sin I have committed because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. He made me righteous through his substitutionary atoning sacrifice. He made me worthy. It's a mentality of receiving his forgiveness and walking in my covenant rights. The centurion knew that he did not meet the standard of receiving God's divine life to heal his family or servant, but yet he also knew that Jesus did meet the standard. Yeah, yes. He knew Jesus was righteous and therefore Jesus could use authority for his servant. We did not meet the standard or requirement to receive redemptive promises until we receive redemption through Jesus' blood. His worthiness made us worthy. And we have been restored to authority, walking in divine life of God because of his substitutionary sacrifice, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In short, he made us worthy because he's worthy. I want you to turn to 1 John 3.12. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified. 1 John 3.12. And uh, we're going to close here in a little bit. 1 John 3.12. Don't be like Cain who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. And why did he slay him? Because his deeds, activities, works were wicked and malicious, and his brothers were righteous. Again, that was 1 John 3, 12. His brothers were righteous. You see, even without the life of God, Abel understood that he was righteous and he had righteous acts. Really, he didn't have the life of God in him. He just was able to act righteously. You understand? His spirit was dead to the things of God. But we have been restored to righteousness. How much more can we do righteous acts through the righteousness within us? 
There's nobody in here that's too deep in sin. There's nobody in here who has allowed the enemy to come in and ramsack your home that cannot clean it up. There's nobody in here that you're at a place where you can't follow the plan of God because you've missed it too much. And hopelessness, shame, unworthiness has set in and you've covered yourself up like Adam. And really, he was disgusted at his state. How many times we get disgusted with ourselves? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I yielded to that. I can't believe... And it's a sin consciousness that perpetuates wrong acts in our life. And Cain just got to a place where it was just perpetuated. And we can get to a place where we just don't care anymore and we just yield to evil. Now, that's most generally the non-Christian, you understand. But a Christian can get pretty close. And if we're sitting in church and yet... At home, it's out of order. We're going to have to start getting up every day. And this is how the Lord dealt with me. Tell them to do something every day. Make a change every day. Just make a change. Just look at things. If there's several things out of order, just start putting things in order. You know, uh, hoarders, for instance... They get overwhelmed because they've allowed things to get into their home over the years. And then they, when they go to clean it up, it's just too much. So they need help many times. How many times we allow things to get in our spirit and inhibit? We are righteous, but we're allowing things to get in. And then, and then wrong things are constantly coming out of our mouth and, and wrong actions. It may just be, you know, the little foxes. But eventually, remember, Adam didn't tend to the garden and the little foxes got in. Eventually, he ate of that tree. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, do something. Get up. Turn your heart to God. If you've missed it, just say, Father, I'm sorry. I know what the devil's telling me, but I'm going to say in Jesus' name, shut up. See, that's the problem. Most people don't know they can say in Jesus' name, shut up, because they're too... They're, they're wallowing in their unworthiness. If you understand that you are forgiven and you tell the devil to shut up and get out of here, now he may, he may still be talking, but he's got to go. He's got to leave. You just receive your forgiveness and you get up and you say, get out of here. Shut up. Don't bring that into my home anymore. Amen. Amen. Direct your heart toward God every morning and don't allow condemnation to set in. Only allow righteous thinking. Speak who you are and what you have in Christ and walk in the original authority that Adam lost. Righteousness thinking is not saying you're okay with a sin or sinful lifestyle. No. Righteous thinking starts the day out with His mercies are new every morning. So I get up, lay down any wrong thinking and unrighteous acts. I take his mercy and forgiveness and start off my day with confessing who I am in Christ and what I have in Christ. I'm healed. I'm blessed. But Pastor Debbie, I don't feel like it and I've missed it so many times. Shut up. 
Josh, shut up. He, he likes it when I say that. I wouldn't tell him to shut up. We just, we just got to be quiet. We like to hear ourselves complain and whine, and we like to be victims. But we're going to have to just shut up. If you have repented, just get up. Tell Satan to get out of here because the blood now, you are cleansed. You are set free. You can do anything you need to do. This is a new day. This is a new day. He's working in me. He who began a good work in me. He who began a good work in me. He's faithful to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. He who started a work is faithful to complete it in me. Isaiah 55, 11. See, you just got to start rejoicing. Stop wallowing and start rejoicing. Doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Doesn't matter what you did the day before. Doesn't matter how many times you've missed it. And if you need to repent to somebody, repent to somebody else. You understand if you need to say you're sorry, say you're sorry, but move on. People can condemn you and, you know, there may be consequences. But you move on and worship God and rejoice. Verse 11. Of Isaiah 55, so shall my word be that goes forth from your mouth. Why? Because we've been made in his image and we walk in his dominion like Adam did. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Why don't you stand up? It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy. And be led out with peace, not shame, but peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn uh, shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You must send forth the word by speaking in faith, not sheepishly saying, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. No. And that mentality starts with just the little things, the things over the years that mom and dad taught us. Don't speak against your redemption. Don't say anything that, that's against your redemption. Yes, that's right. Don't talk about how you're feeling all the time, or I'm sick, or I'm this. No, I'm righteous. Yes. I'm righteous, and I'm rejoicing, and I'm reveling in the fact that Jesus took my place, and therefore, I'm worthy. Yes. And there's no more shame. And I rejoice in that throughout my day. And if I miss it, I get back up. And sure, I'm sorry that I missed it. Sure. But I put a smile on my face. And I start saying, he works in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
and I don't allow sin to take root and keep me out of the plan of God, I'm not sitting in sin consciousness, in shame, in unworthiness anymore. How about you? Because that is the right order of our authority. Not accepting shame anymore. You want to play something? Hallelujah. Come on up, worship team. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. Father, we worship you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. You got a song or something? Yeah, there you go. you to bow your heads in this place today and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior maybe on live stream in this room everybody's heads bowed don't be looking around I'm not asking I'm telling you amen you say that, and you got some youth just looking around and just doing whatever they want to do. If you want to do that at home, fine, but I'm asking you to bow your head and be reverent in this room. Thank you, Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm asking you to raise your hand because he loves you so much, and we've learned about that love. But my friend, you can have the life of God inside of you. So I'm asking, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, I'm asking you to raise your hand today. Or maybe over live stream. Any of you, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just right there in your living room. Anybody in this place? I know I was a little strong. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Somebody's raising their hand. Thank you, thank you. I know I was a little strong. But there is a reason for that, because we've got to learn to reverence in the house of God. And we need to do it in home as well. We need to teach our children to reverence and be honorable. Say this prayer after me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus died on the cross. For my sin, I receive forgiveness of sin. I believe he rose from the dead, that I have life, that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I receive his life. I believe now that I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you, Lord, Lord, for changing me, for for helping me. me. I receive your love. I receive your your goodness. goodness. I'm saved. saved. I'm a Christian. Christian. 
I have light. If you prayed that prayer, I'm asking you to contact our ministry and let us know. We can help you find a church in your area. If you're in this area, come to church here. And if that's you in this auditorium, I'm asking you to, uh, actually, I think Ann already went to that person. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and yeah, Ann's in the back there, and, and uh, she's going to help get you information that you need. Amen? You can lift your heads up. But call our ministry, those of you uh, watching by live stream. Um, avail yourself to our website at everlyministries.org. You can go to our vault and listen to any of our material free. If you would like any of our material, you can order it. Order it. Uh, find a church, a local church in your area that believes in redemption. Amen. Amen. And if you need help with that, then call us and, and we'll help you find a church in your area if there is one in your area. We love you. We believe in you. I hope this message ministered to you today. Let's get back up. Let's not follow the devil's condemnation. Let's regain or really take hold of what God's original intent was through Adam and Eve and follow their example of tending our garden, keeping our garden, keeping our home, keeping our work areas. I understand you may work for somebody else. I'm talking about even if, if you own a work. Keep the atmosphere right to the best of your ability. Sometimes you hire people and you can't fire them because, you know, I understand about all that. But keep your atmosphere right. If somebody's not right, then give it to God. If you can't get rid of them, give it to God. Watch him work it out. But pray for people that their hearts are turned. But in your home, take authority, take responsibility, teach honor. Because if you don't, it's going to come back and bite you in the behind. And then when you come and you wonder why things aren't working out, it's because of that. Well, we love you.